Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Karina Hatton. Karina is a mentor and coach for entrepreneurs that want to grow or start their own online e-com business. And she is here today to provide us with some great actionable insights to help you get started, whether you are getting your business off the ground or in the process of scaling. So I'm really delighted to have you here with us today. Karina, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Angel. All right. Well, let's talk first, Karina, about let's for some people, they may not know what e-com is. So if you wouldn't mind, why don't we talk a little bit about your journey into the e-com space and help our listeners to understand a little bit more what that means. So e-commerce is basically selling online. It's it's taking a store and instead of having the brick and mortar, you're offering your products so that you can sell to anyone in the world. So it's really a great thing. And I got started in 2013 when I actually had several other businesses fail. And I was thinking, you know what? I'm really not wanting to commit myself to paying for a storefront anymore. Like I wasn't sure if I ever wanted to do that again, honestly, after what I had been through. So I started looking for ways to make, you know, make money online. Right. Back then I had never heard of a boutique. And so it was really crazy when I started looking at for like small businesses that were selling online, I came across some boutiques. And I thought, well, what in the world is this? This is like amazing. (laughs) And so I started researching because I'm an IT background. I thought, well, I can do this. I can do the whole e-com thing. And so I started researching how to get into the boutique world. And so that's how the whole thing started for me was just not wanting to have the overhead anymore. I had just had a few seven figure a year businesses fail And we had very large overhead, multiple thousands a month in rent and fixed costs. And so this was very intriguing to me, just being able to run it from wherever I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. So before I get deeper into this part of the conversation, I do have to ask you, did you have like your own little lemonade stand when you were a kiddo or something? Were you (laughs) always like selling, was selling and having products available for sale, something that was part of your childhood? Or is it something that just kind of emerged over time? I love that you asked that because I did go door to door selling current magazine products when I was five. 
So yes, the, it was stationary and wrapping paper and boy, that catalog, I don't know if I saw it in the back of a magazine and asked my mom to order me the packet, but it came and it had instructions on what to say when people answered the door. And I was in love. I was in love with sales. Beautiful. I love that. Well, you and I have a lot in common. So I sold 763 boxes of Girl Scout cookies when I was nine going door to door. And the next nearest girl sold like 28. So we definitely have a lot in common when it comes to door to door sales. And I think that it's it's almost kind of sad that that doesn't happen anymore because it was for me, certainly it got my blood going for generating money from my efforts. It was like a direct, you know, you could see the direct result. I sold over 300 and I came in second. I think the next girl sold like a thousand something, but yeah, I loved going door to door, like mapping out my strategy and my script. And my husband thinks I'm crazy. He has absolutely no interest in sales whatsoever. All right. Well, so then let's also talk about the sticks and bricks situation because so many people, I was one of them, when they, let's say, quit the corner office or they leave behind the J-O-B and decide to get into entrepreneurship, for most people, I mean, now it's a little bit different because the online world has become more robust. But for most people, they still first think of a sticks and bricks business. And I actually had my own art gallery and healing arts center for a few years. And I understand the overhead thing. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about that part of your journey, sticks and bricks part of your journey, because I think it's illustrative and it will help others to think maybe, oh, maybe I actually don't want to do this. Maybe I actually want to go directly to the online space. So could you talk a little bit about like, what did you have? Did you have a, you know, were you selling products or like what kind of boutique or store or sticks and bricks did you have and what happened to cause it to fail? Oh my gosh. So, well, I I bought a donut shop when I was 26, which I still have. Gosh, I've had it 20 years now, almost. So that I'm in love with because it's fast paced. We have one product, it's profitable. The, once I got that going, I got very ambitious and my husband and I started purchasing businesses that were already running. And so we did not really quite understand the concept of a cash flow statement. And when you purchase a business, It's all based on the income statement and balance sheet. So you can look at an income statement and it can be profitable and there is not enough cash on a day-to-day basis to run the business. So we purchased these two businesses. One was seven figures. One was, the other one was over half a million dollars. And so the idea was we were going to build this empire and we were going to have other people run them for us. And it was all going to be amazing. And we continued to work our other jobs. I was selling real estate. He had an IT consulting company. So we had a lot going on. And that was the first issue (laughs) is we did not give our full attention to anything because we were spread so thin. So what happened was we had someone running, it was an auto repair shop. And he, we got a call from our, our biggest vendor one day. And they said, gosh, you must be doing 
some amazing sales because you have already ordered $80,000 worth of tires from us this month. And kind of that's like above what you normally order. So we thought we would call and make sure everything's okay. And, and I was like, what do you mean? So we started digging into the records and it turns out that our manager who was so amazing was buying tires and selling them out the back door and keeping the cash. So nonetheless, we ended up making a deal with the vendor and because at that point we owed six figures to that vendor for you know one month and we had no product to sell to get the money. Mm-hmm. So we ended up paying for part of that out of our pocket and they closed our account. So we lost our terms with our biggest vendor. And that was the first stage of the downfall. Mm-hmm. And this business was doing, you know, over a hundred thousand a month in sales. So trying to run that using the cash on hand was extremely hard. And so it just eventually, it all came crashing down. We had debt service because we purchased the business. We had debt service on both of the businesses. We had the overhead, the rent. The So I was meeting with bankers and landlords and, you know, I was locking myself in the office because people were coming to talk to me and, and the world was crashing down. Meanwhile, I was trying to look normal on the outside mm-hmm. and run the business, right? Because right. we had at that time, I mean, I think I had about 50 employees with right. all of the businesses combined. And so one day I remember my husband, we were driving and he said, you know, we're going to have to walk away from these businesses. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not a quitter. You know, that was my first thing. You know, I had been trying for almost two years to make it work. And it was just like, you know, I spent all this money on advertising. Our sales went up. And when I analyzed it at the end of the year, we had made, we had spent 80 grand on marketing and we had made like 81,000 in sales on those tickets. And so it was, it was real eye opening to think about walking away. Because to me, that was kind of like quitting. And so we ended up doing it. We ended up walking away because we had no no other options. And so the world crashed down around us. We ended up losing. We had just purchased a new house. We ended up losing our old house because it was wrapped up in one of the notes. Mm. And the businesses were closed. And yeah, it just all fell apart. We took bankruptcy. It was really bad. And that was like a nightmare. You know, we never pictured ourselves in that position because we'd been making multiple six figures a year prior to that. Yeah. So brick and mortar is hard. (laughs) Brick and mortar is hard. And there's two pieces that I just really want to highlight for our listeners here. Actually, three pieces. Number one, the first thing that you said is when you went and bought a business, you were looking at the income statement and balance sheet. You weren't aware of the cash flows. And it's really about the cash flow that keeps a business functional, number one. Number two, you had a bunch of employees, one of whom you know was running the show and who was extorting from you, right? Obviously, or stealing from right. the, what, you know, however we want to talk about that. And number three, you actually had to come to some pretty powerful decisions that said, to yourself, to your husband, to the employees, to everyone, this is non-functional. We have to stop. We have to walk away. So we're about to go to the break, but I want to just like 
recognize that there's so many parallels because I also had a situation where I had a sticks and bricks, our gallery and healing arts center, brought somebody in to help me with the marketing, gave her $70,000 and ended up with nothing and had to close my business. And, and so been there, done that, got the t-shirt on the sticks and bricks. Maybe it wasn't a seven figure fail for me, but the failure, regardless of the dollar amount is still something that we want to make sure that people hear that you can fail spectacularly at whatever dollar amount it is, and you can come back out. And we're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content and help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I do want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're well over 100 reviews at this point, and we are welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Sweden, Denmark, and Cambodia. And we will be right back with Karina Hatton. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by Women in Transition, Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Karina Hatton. You can find out more about Karina and what she does now at onlineboutiquecoaching.com, onlineboutiquecoaching.com. We will have that for you in the show notes so that you can go ahead and click and find out more about Karina and her new business. And when we went to the break, we were talking about how she failed spectacularly <laughs> in more than one seven-figure business and had to go through bankruptcy and lost a house and all the things. And I am now interested, Karina, in finding out after all of that happened and you began to turn your attention towards the online space, like where did you go from there? Once you got into the online space, Tell us about your first boutique in the online space and then what inspired you to start coaching others in this way. Yeah, I mean, when I started the boutique, I'm I'm not one of those people that wants to partially do things. So I thought, okay, I'm I'm gonna try to hit six figures in sales. <laughs> and it was so funny because by 2019, I felt like something else was calling to me. Like I was supposed to do more. 
And I had never really listened to podcasts, but I get a certain email every day with a short podcast. And I listened to it that day. I've been subscribed to that, that guy's email for like 10 years. And I never really listened to the podcast. And after that, I thought I'm going to go look at business on there and see what's on there for podcasts. And I ended up finding someone and I actually ended up hiring her or joining her coaching program. And she is the one that said to me, have you ever thought about teaching women to do what you did? And I thought, well, I didn't really do anything (laughs) at the time. And so she was like, okay, let's, you know, analyze some things. And so we added it up and I had done seven figures in sales. And I thought, oh my gosh, I was so busy working. I did not even realize that I had done that. And so, so tell me what, tell me what the boutique was, Karina, that you did seven figures in sales in. Like what were you oh, selling? I still have it. I still have it. It's, it's women's clothing and accessories and shoes and it's a very profitable thing to get into when you do it right. And so really I started with 200 bucks because, you know, as you remember, I didn't have hardly anything and I sure wasn't going to tell my husband, hey, I'm going to invest, you know, a bunch of money in this boutique idea. So I started with $200 and I just sold that stuff as fast as I could. And it kept multiplying and multiplying. I would get that money back and I would reinvest it and buy more inventory. And so that's, that's what I do. And, you know, my boutique's still up and running right now. And I just, I love it. I love the the product. I just, I get so excited looking at my store even today. Beautiful. Well, Karina, I would love to hear about now you're now you are helping others to set up their boutiques. Is that, is that correct? Tell us about, do you have a client that you have worked with that you want to share her success story or, and, and I also want to be clear, is it, are your boutiques always like clothing things or are they across a variety of industries where you're helping your clients? Yeah. So I, I'm working just with women now and it's, it's everything. We've got ladies selling all kinds of things. If it's a product-based business, you know, then my program works for that. So we have, you know, children's boutiques. We have ladies who make things who are in the program t-shirts and tumblers, but the coolest thing, I have a few stories, but a couple of the bigger stories is there was a lady that I took on as a private client in 2019, and she did 200,000 in sales last year. And when she came to me, she said, Karina, I am not tech savvy at all. Like I need help. And she would write down every single thing I would say. And she did 200 grand last year in sales. So that was just amazing. And the goal is with my coaching program is to get them to five figures a month in sales. So that would be anywhere from 10,000 to 99,999. And I've got several ladies that are on their way to doing that. And it's just been fascinating. There's just an awesome community in the program and we all gosh, they're just, they're my people, (laughs) you know, they love what I love. You know, we love to sell. We love to, to see nice product. We love to market. And it's just, it's fun to have those kindred spirits, you know, to hang out with every day. So 
Beautiful. Well, congratulations to you and to all your coaching clients. <laughs> you ladies are just making money hand over fist over there. <laughs> um, all right. So I want to go back a little bit, Karina, to what did you need to do psychologically, spiritually, mindset-wise, internally to kind of get over the failure piece? and be willing to get on the court again? Gosh, looking back, that was the lowest, one of the lowest points of my life. And I remember telling my husband, I'm surprised that we're still married because he was my partner in all of it. And, you know, we were business partners and it was extremely hard, very, very, very low feelings. And I literally started just immersing myself in positive thoughts, reading. I would spend days listening to podcasts like, like this one. <laughs> yeah. Like with stories that would make me feel inspired and it still, it still took me, gosh, I'm trying to think of the the time period. It probably took me a good two years before I felt like I was worthy of success again, Mm -hmm. because if you even search my name, like to this day, you'll see that someone put a negative review about me on Amazon for a product that is not even mine. But if you search my name, it pops up. And so every time that I look up my name, I'm reminded of that time period. Mm. And so I still have those moments where I think, you know, wow, like you said earlier, spectacular failure. That was it. Like if I was going to picture when I was younger, like the lowest I could possibly go in my life, that was one of the things because business has been inside me since I can remember. I mean, it's like in my heart. And the fact that I failed at it was really, really hard. And so it was, it was mental. It was, and and it was, it was surrounding myself. The most important thing was surrounding myself with people who weren't going to judge me Mm. and people that inspired me. Yeah. And, and, and that's all day, every day. I mean, just, I had a constant thing because when I would turn off that stuff, I would start thinking again, you know, (laughs) and to fill your cup with positive messaging, (laughs) you really, I really did. I really did. And, you know, on top of that, the the downfall of a business can follow you for years Mm. and it's still there. There There's still things what is this 2022? And that was nine years later. There are still things even today that I've had to deal with that are from that domino effect, things that happened way back then. And when they happen, the me today doesn't let it get inside my head. Yeah. 
yeah, it's just uh, the little bits of debris that are left. I had the same situation when I closed my art gallery. My my entire staff sued me. <laughs> so every time I drive by the courthouse, I think about that. You know what I mean? I like every time I, I and that was years ago, 2007, I think it was, 2007. So it's long. Yeah, it hurts. Long yeah, it hurts. well, yeah, it does hurt and and I think it also gives us good perspective, Karina, when we're able to to drive by and have it hurt less every time. Yeah. <laughs> so every and, time you see your name on the Internet, maybe it hurts a little bit less, hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah. And then, you know, I always go back to I can't remember who said it, but if no one's talking about you, you're not doing anything, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, well, at least at least we are doing something, you know, at least my husband and I tried, tried it and, you know, so what, it didn't work, you know, yeah. yeah. Let, let's use what we learned and go do the next thing. So great. That leads me to my last question, which is what did you learn from the sticks and bricks world and your spectacular failures there? You know, maybe one, two, or even three, if you have them that you have now transported into working in your online coaching business that you help like your people with now top three things that you got from the failure that you are now turning into food for the people that you're serving now. Yes, definitely. The first thing is you don't need a location. You don't need a permanent location with the online business. You pop up and you do events, right? So you use other people's fixed costs. So go pop up in a coffee shop, go pop up in someone's house, you know? So the idea is to avoid that fixed overhead at all costs. The second thing is don't hire people that you don't need, because as soon as you hire someone, then you've got to get work comp and you've got to do payroll and you've got to all these things. You've got to have a handbook. I mean, I I tell them, do everything you can yourself and then find like, get your teenage daughter to help you. Don't open up that can of worms unless you absolutely have to. And I think those are really the top two. The next thing I would say is be very careful with your marketing expenses. You do not want to spend money if you're not making money. And that's the thing you see a lot of people, they, they say, Oh, I've done I'm selling this much. I'm selling like 50,000 a month with a drop shipping company. And it's like, okay, but you're spending like 40,000 on ads and you're spending 9,000 on product, you know? So you have to don't believe everything you see about those numbers (laughs) because they can tell you, they can show you screenshots, but you don't know behind the scenes how much money was spent. They're just showing you the top line. They're not showing you the cash flow. They're not showing you. Yeah. Um, right back to the same thing. Same the thing. <laughs> Gotta look at the cash flow. Oh my goodness. Exactly. Yeah. So All those right. are my tips. Fabulous. So avoid fixed overhead, avoid hiring people that you have to put through payroll and pay attention to the math. Are you spending less and making more or are you spending more and making less? Because if we're not doing the math, then we're not really actually 
doing business well. All right, Karina. Well, it has been awesome having you here today. I'm really excited for our time together. And I hope that our listeners who are giving some consideration to getting started in the online space with product sales are going to reach out and have a conversation with you at onlineboutiquecoaching.com. Again, we'll have that for you in the show notes. Listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes as well. Or send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.